Welcome to episode 23 of the Two Indie Authors Podcast with me, Robert N. Ryan. And me, David B. Lyons. <laughs> uh, Robert, we have a cracking hour for our listeners. Um, you and I are going to take a deep dive into Facebook ads, sharing hints and tips with our fellow indie authors about how they can possibly maximize their sales. Uh, we also have a very interesting mailbag question that has been sent in by one of you fine folk. And then later in the podcast, great author and all-round gentleman Ivan Wainwright will be joining us to answer the seven questions. But we shall begin, Robert, as we always do, by mm-hmm. discussing the week that was. How have your last seven days been? They have been wonderful, David. Nice. Um, I finished the draft of my latest book earlier this week, which was thank you. Well done. Um, it, it, I, I think I said when I started it, this one has the has the potential to be yes. the, the most exciting one yet. And I think as I got into like the the final throes of it, I was I was just gripped. Great. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've got to write this. I've got to write this. Lovely. So um, yeah, that's that's gone off to Emma, the wonderful Emma. Um, so that'll be it's on target now to have its April launch. So that'll be book eleven in the Sandpaper series. So you've had a really good flow over the past three or four weeks, haven't you? Writing. Yeah, yeah. I I I think it was from when I set my deadline. Yeah. I wanted to I wanted to release one around springtime so I, I I kind of booked an editor in for the end of March because then that gives me the month before it goes on to the end of April yeah. where it's launching um and then that keeps me I think it's probably just my years of working in the in the corporate world if I have a deadline I have to I have to meet it yes um, yeah you're used to that but yeah so the so, yeah, that's that's been the, the the bulk of my my week really is just doing that, and now um I get to dive into all of the edits I need to make on my Bermuda series, um, oh, yeah. which I'm not looking forward to. Uh, but yeah, oh, and with the book finished, I finally got round to clearing down my mailing inbox yesterday, and I got oh, it down welcome. to a nice big fat zero, which was nice and lovely, a very satisfying feeling. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's been it. It's just been a, a couple of really writing heavy weeks um, yeah. for me. Uh, how's the last seven days been for you, mate? Yeah, it's um, I did a, a good bit of writing as well. I think I got maybe ten thousand words down on this Betsy Blake sequel novella I'm nice. writing. So I'm just um, a few thousand words from the end. So hopefully, when I'm speaking to you next Thursday, the first draft of that will be done. It's a little messy. In that, in the voices mm. I've written, so there will be heavy redrafting going on in that. But I could be joining you by launching this uh, in late April. It might sneak into May, but yeah, we're looking at similar times uh, nice. for launching our two books. I've also been um, keeping our listeners up to date with how I'm going with Perpetua who are looking after my Amazon ads but to be honest there's no major update on that it's all very slow Robert to be honest with you Dave. Yeah, uh, to be honest at this stage early on two weeks into Perpetua I haven't seen them 
you know, do anything that I haven't been able to do myself. The ads are, are oh, spending okay. very slowly, like pennies, when oh. we have them set up to spend the hundred pound. But they did say it will be. Uh, I will need patience with it. So, um, it, they say uh, sixty to ninety days or two or three months, which is <laughs> it's better. But the, it, that's when we'll start seeing results and the effect that they can have. So I'll, I'll keep you um, updated as we go on that. Uh, but I'm happy that I've remained in good writing form. And um, I've also had the book cover come back to me from my designer for that. So that I'm excited by that. It looks pretty uh, hot. So yeah, we're motoring on that. We're we're ready to go with the or getting ready to go with the the Betsy sequel. So we're we're, I'm like you. I have a book to publish in the next sort of thirty or fifty days thereabouts. So so Mm. we're we're motoring you and I. A, A productive March we've had. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you'd you'd think we were authors at the end of the day, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, yeah, but um, I think a lot of people are excited to hear about us tackle Facebook ads. So should we jump into it? Let's get to the talking point. Two indie authors. So, David, our talking point this week, I think, is a highly requested one. And we're going to do a deep dive into Facebook ads. Um, now, in you know a little bit of behind-the-curtain peek for our listeners, there's a bit of pre-production that goes into these shows. Um, you have broken the main components of a Facebook ad down into three areas that we're going to cover today, which is the image, the copy, and the targeting. Yeah, the three um, main aspects of Facebook ads. Yeah. And they, all three of them deserve your attention. And did I say the word respect? I think they do. They do, yeah. If you want to get them, if, if you want to get Facebook ads to work, you're going to need to go for that. So we, we're going to go into detail about what we do for those three components. Um, and as ever, we'll be as transparent as possible. But I guess before we go into those, should we just have a sort of a holistic discussion about our Facebook ads? Like, how do we approach them? Yeah. Like how do you approach Facebook ads? Before we go into the nitty gritty, what's your mindset towards Facebook ads? Um, well, my mindset switched on, I should say, because I probably didn't have a mindset when it came to social media advertising five years ago. But when you consider that in the back end of Facebook, you yeah. can narrow down your advertising to people of certain genders, certain age groups, And then, more importantly, into certain interests. So they might be interested in Kindle. Imagine you you could advertise somebody who's interested in Kindle. You can advertise your Kindle book straight into the Facebook feed of somebody who who Facebook already knows is interested Mm. in the Kindle store or in Kindle books. So the fact that we can target and zone into people who have interests in the items or the product we're trying to sell to them. It's just, I mean, let's be honest about it. That's why we can be independent authors. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I sort of, um, I know there's a lot of people who, especially when they're starting out, and I think we'll probably have a a number of listeners who might be very early on Mm -hmm. in their indie author journey. And the idea of spending money without the guarantee of getting back money <laughs> is terrifying. I've been there. Yeah. I was there a fair few years ago. Um, but I think what 
what changed in my mind is when I started looking at Facebook as something different than a social media platform. Yeah. Um, what Facebook did was Facebook created the biggest database of people and their interests and their likes for free. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to charge you to use it for your advantage. Yeah. That's how I see it. So you kind of have to pay to play. If you want to reach these people, there's a cost. And you see people saying, oh, I can't believe Facebook charged me to have to you know, access this stuff. Well, it's a, it makes sense. Yeah. Why would they give that to you for free? Um, I think it's also really crucial that you need to go through kind of a learning phase of Facebook ads. Yeah. You, need to, you need ads to fail to understand why they failed. And that, that just helps you. The things you were saying there about targeting, which we're going to go into in detail here, the only way you get good at that is is by f- by failing, uh, failing, 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 I guess, like I am right now. <laughs> failing and um, failing. failing. Yeah, but I think, so that that's my kind of view on it, is it's crucial. You have to, you have to. There's no way you can get your book in front of people without paying for the, for the privilege. Yeah. You sort of, you know, um, but you have to be willing to lose money as long as you're willing to like dig under the hood to figure out why you lost that money. That's Absolutely. my mentality going into it. Yeah, you're so right. You, if you run 10 ads and nine of them fail, but one doesn't, well, then you're onto something because mm-hmm. you can turn off the nine that aren't working. And the one that is working, you can massage and manipulate and and get the very best out of it. So if you're spending £10 on an ad that's working, that is bringing back £20, well, then how can we scale this winner? How can we get this up to spending £200 a day so it's bringing in £400? So it's it's all about finding that ad that works. Um, So how do you find an ad that works? Well, it really, it comes down to a bit more than the three specifics that we're going to talk about here rob which are you know the image the copy and the targeting but it mainly comes down to those three doesn't it so we should probably open up this hood and take a look under it yeah can i just prove um before we go into those things the idea of your facebook ad is to drive people to your sales page Yes, that's the end goal. Get them to click to your Amazon page where they can download your Kindle or buy your paperback. Yes. So so you need to make sure those things are up to scratch. And we've been over that on other episodes. Always going to send people back to listen to them on the branding episodes, on things like that. We've spoke about having having an Amazon sales page with a blurb, um, a good cover, strong reviews. All those things are crucial to getting the sale. All your Facebook ad is going to do is take people to that page. So you need to stick something in front of people that gets them to go, okay, I want to know more. That's the fundamental mission of your Facebook, uh, Facebook ad. It's not to get a sale. It's to get people to go to where they might make a sale. I think that, that's quite a, we need to make that clear. That's a fantastic point uh, to bring that clarity to the listener. So your ad alone isn't going to convince somebody to buy the book, nor is your ad, uh, nor, nor is that the job of your ad. The job of your ad, as mm-hmm. Robert has just said, is to get them to click into your sales page. Your sales page will then close, hopefully, close the sale for you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but they- of course, you can't get to that sales page, or, or so few people will get to that sales page unless you are advertising it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. And- one of the main let, let's let's get we, we have spoke about the three main areas of Facebook advertising. Well, the first one, I guess, is the image. So what you're mm-hmm. essentially doing here is is creating an image that will appear on people's Facebook feeds and will hopefully stoke their interest in your book. So, um, I mean, I, I'll just I, I use different image. Robert and I will approach this differently because Robert of course is always selling towards his first book and then relying yes. on that read through which really drives his income where uh, and that's the great advantage of writing in series whereas I don't write in series but I guess the advantage I have is that I can advertise any book at any time which is what I do so I might have three months of uh, advertising Betsy Blake and then a few months of advertising She Said Tree Said or The Coincidence and different titles but Images are so important, aren't they, Rob? Because that's what will stop somebody from scrolling through their Facebook feed. Well, yeah, I, I think that's... I mean, we live... Was it probably not even in the Netflix generation now? We're in the TikTok generation where yeah. people's attention spans are even less. Um, mm-hmm. So if you think um, people are flicking through just getting updates, you need to have something that gets them to stop flicking. Yeah. that's So you need something... Punchy. You need something that's going to at least uh, catch their eye. Yeah. So that's that's probably the main thing. Um, so for you, obviously, David, you're yeah. There, there, there's, there's pros and cons for the series and the standalones, especially when it comes to marketing. Yeah. And I think we will have to cover that off in a different podcast. The difference between series and standalones. Yeah, we should do. Um, that's we'll, we'll veer off topic. But for me. What I've always done is I've I've pushed people to the first book, but I've steadily built up over the years. You can go through my Facebook ad account and you'll see hundreds of ads that are now turned off because yeah. I tried different things, everything I could think of. And you see other people's ads and you think, that looks cool, that looks good. And then you you do something similar there. But what I've done over the time is I've started to get people to come into my branding and we've we've made branding a really key part of what we do on this podcast i think if you have something that slips seamlessly through everything through your books through your website through your marketing it's that touch points of marketing how many are there seven they say the seven touch points yeah yeah so i've i've brought it in line with that um and what I've started to go for now is more like a movie style poster, something that catches yeah. the eye. It's got bold colors and I only target to the first book, but I don't necessarily only advertise the first book. So what I've got on my current ads, which are going to have to be updated soon because I'm going to be reaching more books is I show how many books are in this series. Fantastic. So the idea is, is, so different to you, David, where you've got multiple books, but you can only really target to one of them. Yeah. I'm targeting to obviously the first of my series, but I'm saying, here you go. Look how many books are here in this series on a on a eye-catching image. Fantastic. Instantly, you can see that. So I've said a few times on this podcast that you are advertising to the first book, which mm-hmm. really your link is to the first book. But from your image, the 
potential reader already knows that this is a, a nine plus book series because you have nine books in. So you are already saying if you want to invest in me, you're investing in a series. They see that from the image alone. Yes. Yeah. And it and it all feeds into stuff we've been over before where um, the covers look great. The branding looks good. Yeah. And because they can see that it's not just I've not just written one book and I'm trying to flog it to them. Yeah. It's something I take seriously. I obviously do it consistently and I wouldn't continue down that if they weren't good, if that makes sense. So yeah. it's that kind of mentality you want to draw people in with instantly with your image. Absolutely. Um, so obviously that's me to, to, to do a series. What do you do? What, what's, you're in the psychological thriller and then obviously you've got this different sort of thriller with the America trilogy. Yeah. So how do you approach that? Because I th- I find that fascinating. The idea of having to come up with sort of like nine different marketing campaigns yeah. for nine books. And it has the advantage of if you get it right, you could have nine books ticking like a first in yeah, a series. swirling around, yeah. But, but you have to really stretch yourself. So I'm, I'm interested to know what you do design-wise, image-wise. What do you focus on? It's it's really interesting when it comes to my books because although they're all in the psychological mystery suspense genre, there are some that suits a certain demographic of reader and other books suit a different demographic of reader. So, um, for example, the Whatever Happened to Betsy Blake, which was uh, a big deal for me, because that's a, a typical missing girl story, Mm-hmm. And the consumption of that type, that genre of story is normally the sort of middle to older age female. So females in their 40s, 50s and 60s, they're used to that genre. So I know that I'm pitching this ad to them. So there's no point in me coming up with a massive fancy advertisement for Betsy Blake that would that I would like because I'm a 40 year old Mm -hmm. bloke and it's just a different demographic so a different target audience so for that book I um, simply put a picture of a crying four year old girl Mm -hmm. and so that's the image and it might have a pull quote it might have five stars and um, I got a good review from the Irish Independent for that book. So I might use a pull quote alongside the, the crying girl because that's because I know I'm, I'm trying to hit a 55-year-old woman with this ad. I want to stop her mm-hmm. scrolling down Facebook. Now, she said, Tree said, which is a book about a Premier League footballer who gets charged with um, a, a rape of a, a model Again, David always with the always bringing the, right the mood subject, up don't you? bringing the mood <laughs> up me that's my job and um, I'm trying to hit likewise I'm trying to hit you and me with that book Rob I'm trying to hit mm-hmm. a 38 um, year old 40 year old bloke who 36 36 Rob sorry I aged him there <laughs> uh, maybe you're not my demographic but there again because I'm hitting a different I'm not hitting a 55 year old woman I'm trying to hit a 40 year old man I need of a course. different image because um, a, a bloke who wants his thrillers isn't going to stop at a crying girl in an no. image. So I might use, a bit like you, Rob, a movie-style poster to try and sell that book. So lots of pull yeah. quotes and, you know, lots of five stars all around it. And, 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 something uh, shiny for the men. Something <laughs> shiny for the men, for the silly men who don't know, who, who can't read past uh, a good image. So... Uh, even in my own books, and there's 10 of them, I have different ways of selling them. But one thing that's clear about the image, because we're talking about imagery here, is that the image has to match up 
to the target audience you are showing this image to. There's no point yeah. in having a lovely image that might suit a six-year-old woman when you're trying to sell to a 28-year-old male. And the same as and the same as if your if your target audience demographic wise is the same, but your genres are different. Yeah, right? exactly. Yes. So so I wouldn't do the same Sam Pope imagery of a tough guy with a gun for my Bermuda Jones series because he's not a tough guy with a gun. Yeah. So you'd be selling the wrong thing. So I think you're right there. You need to to know what your audience is to to mirror not mirror to to sort of aim your image at that yeah i think you're you're spot on point there about you couldn't you wouldn't advertise betsy blake like you would advertise something say to me yeah exactly there's no point in me advertising betsy blake the way i do to you yeah you're not going to be interested because one thing i don't think we've said yet is facebook will spend your money every day (laughs) so getting your audience and is correct and we're going to get on to that but getting your image is correct because you want the right person to stop at that image yeah actually a good point to make here rob would be if i wanted to advertise betsy blake to you mm -hmm. i wouldn't come at it from the point of view of the crying girl so if i'm trying to hit a 36 year old i would this is a detective book Mm-hmm. And and yeah and, and it, it 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 it's following the lines of a private investigator and come along for the ride. That's the sort of imagery I would give to you. So it goes Absolutely. to show imagery, image your image. There's no point in coming up with a great image. There's only point in coming up with a great image that suits your target audience. Absolutely. And actually, David, whilst we're we're on the subject of the image, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to. I think I said it earlier. Is you can see another ad someone else is doing and and be inspired by it yeah um and and that happens along the whole the the whole way like it's happened to me with my a plus content which i've recently updated again since but i saw some a plus content i was like i want something similar to that for me yeah um so over the past year since i've had my ad ticking which is the um silhouette which is now an image of sam holding a gun with with your nine books in it that we've talked about yeah yeah Yeah. the nine book the nine book grid and my my hard-hitting tagline of fight for something Mm -hmm. uh, underneath and since then i've seen quite a number of ads sort of sprout up doing a similar blueprint right you know like like the image the grid a tagline and again like it's fine it's okay to be inspired yeah yeah it's it's good and you know and as evidence of this podcast with you and I, we're, we're 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 really not trying to pull the ladder up behind us. We're we're trying to, you know, help yep. and push extend it down to, to keep you know, building and, and getting to becoming independent authors. But this week, I sent it to you, didn't I, David, mm-hmm. in our private chat? And a a ad was sent my way um, that an author had put together that I would say was ninety five percent almost identical to my 99. ad. Ninety <laughs> nine. Yeah, it was literally um, a ripoff of your ad, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Let's be blunt. Yeah. Um, so the colours were slightly changed. Uh, obviously, the the covers were were slightly different, but the you know the tagline at the bottom was "fight for," but it was a different word used in the same punchy thing. It it looked like a character, an ad that I had made. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I think made me want to bring this point up was. The actual copy, the text that was used in the ad, which we're going to move on to in a sec, was word for word the same as mine, apart from shifting out the name of the author and the name of the character. Yeah. So, again, 
like I'm all for people being inspired by ads. I love the idea of someone seeing my ad the same way I've seen stuff and gone, I want to try and incorporate that into my brand somehow. Yeah. That's a great feeling. Um, but this podcast is obviously about how we do this, not how you should do it. It's, it's just how we do it. I wouldn't copy an ad to that extent. No, I, w- I would only be inspired by something. I, I wouldn't copy anything. Yeah, listen, if you, if you want to be an author, it means you've got some creative juice yeah. flowing around you. So the idea that you you can't come up with ad concepts for yourself doesn't compute. And if you can't come up with, if you don't have the creative in you to come up with ad concepts for yourself, well, then you probably don't have the creative in you to be uh, an author. But uh, I mean, that mm. sounds very blunt, but the, uh, co- copying an ad doesn't show any creativity. You can be inspired by ads that other authors are running, but copying them really doesn't say much for you. Uh, uh, Again, we've always said that look to other authors, be inspired by them, but copying them is just a big no-no. It has to be. It is, and especially because it'll end up impacting your own brand, I think, because if you're copying someone to that extent, I think you're feeding more into their brand than your own. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I say that's just a watch out because it's very easy to do. If you know someone's ad is working and you know and you see it a lot and you can see a lot of social proof and which you know you can on my ad, that's fair enough. It's there, it's in the ad library. Anyone can go and look yeah. at it. But I think it's it's worth remembering the creative process and taking a step back and trying to make something your own as opposed to trying to make a clone of somebody else's. Yeah. Um but I, I touched on it there in that. Um, get off the soapbox now, can't we, David? <laughs> Let's take a step down. <laughs> um, but we spoke about the text we use. So we use text as well in the ad. So if you if you want to look at the structure of a Facebook ad, you have text at the top and your image below, and then there's a link to where you're going. Yeah. So in, in that bit there, you've got free reign to put in whatever you want yeah. in that text box. So if we look at it as, as right, your image has stopped somebody dead in their tracks. You've now got, I probably won't say the same amount as a tweet. Like yeah, a, few, a couple of sentences. Words. Yeah, you've got two, three sentences to make them go, okay, I want to know more. Yeah. So you're very good at this, David. I love your text in your ads. So what do you put in yours? Well, what you're looking for here, again, actually, I will start by saying this. Again, like we just said about images, your image has to relate to the target audience. Uh Same with the text. The text has to relate to the target audience too. So I guess your text in your ad is, would I be right in saying this? It's like a mini blurb. Robert, you're trying to elevate or pitch sell your book, aren't you, in in two or three sentences, really? I would would say no to that. But that's purely because I found more success on a less is more more, approach on the... um, on the text there mm-hmm. but that might just be my genre so you know your image of a crying girl might require a little more context as opposed to my kind of punch you in the face here's a guy with a gun yeah you know the deal here but plus yeah like, we already know from your image that this is a this is a book series whereas mm-hmm. mine the eyebrows might be but we don't we're not quite sure yet exactly what's so, going on so i think again this is where you need to know what your audience is and yep. kind of what you're targeting. Yeah. Because like you said, you got a crying girl with five stars, um, a devastating read. Yeah. Right? 
I don't know if that's a memoir. I don't know if that's yeah. a thriller. My one, guy with a gun, nine books with names like Man of My Word and The Kingdom, yeah. and a, a slogan that says "Fight for something." I think that tells you more than enough quite quickly. Yes. So the less is more when it comes to text for you makes an yes. awful lot of sense. Yeah. Whereas I, I sort of have to explain. In plot yeah. a little bit in mind so my my text for example so you'll have this crying girl with the devastating um quote from the irish independent and then the literally the first sentence will be betsy blake went missing when she was just four years of age and now you're kind of going okay and then there'll yep. be another hook line or so but i really like to add a lot a lot of pull quotes from reviews and put them inside my book just to, to give it a bit more uh, legitimacy so i would probably have maybe three or four sentences describing the plot a little bit like a mini blurb and then mm-hmm. it will be what reviewers are saying and then pulling out some good quotes from reviews so that's in what's called the main part of your yeah text isn't it and and there's a few parts so you also have a headline that now a headline normally goes above text but in facebook ads it goes below so it goes you, below the image it goes below it? the image so a headline sometimes i use a pull quote like so i'll have five stars and another pull quote or sometimes i'll have like a little tease blurb like a hook line like you have your mm. fight for something it will be something along the lines like that what do you use for headlines so i've got and so, like I said, my 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 approach, even to my text as well, is very like a less is more. Yeah, kind of hit people more with information about the series as opposed to the stories within it. Yeah. So my 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 text above the ad. I know you've asked for the headline, but I'll I'll get to yeah. the text above the ad. It says over this many thousand copies sold across this many countries. That's right. Yeah. Have you read the international best-selling Sam Pope series? Great. So I'm already leading. It's a leading question. Yeah. Uh, with and then I have a quote comparing it to Jack Reacher and um, uh, Mitch Rapp and other major characters in that. So genre. that all makes total sense. People have seen an image and go, "This is a book series." And now what you've done with your text is you've legitimised that this series is really good because you're saying it's sold over a hundred thousand copies. It's sold in more than ninety countries. It's been likened to Jack Reacher. So you're really rubber stamping that this is worth it. Yeah, yeah, and then I have my tagline of "Join the fight," like great, um, which is a running yeah, theme throughout your marketing and branding. All of his marketing is about he's fighting for something. So join the fight, and then my headline is "The International Best Selling Series Starts Here." Great, um, more legitimacy. Dot dot dot, and then then that goes dot 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 to the button that says "Shop Now." Yeah, and then underneath that you have that little subheading. Yes, I have the click shop now to grab your copy because words like grab and click here and have you read and stuff like that they lead people into it kind of builds up an excitement in them yeah it's like a psychological thing that if you say press that button to buy your copy as opposed to click that click shop now to grab your copy it's a very different language thing yeah it's a very different language so like i said i keep mine a lot more simple yeah but again i hit all the kind of points of i give it a bit of credibility i tell them instantly in one one quote it's up there with jack reacher mitch rap yeah steve so instantly if you've read those books and we'll come on to targeting in a minute yeah if you've read these characters this guy's for you and and like i said then that is going hand in hand with my image to then make someone go right i'm going to go see a little bit more about this let me go to the 
let me buy it. Yeah, fantastic uh, tips there. So yeah, headline, as Robert said, d- uh, use the language appropriately in terms of your main aim there is how can I make them click this shop now button? And yeah. uh, another main tip there when it comes to text is know who you're targeting because the language will dictate then who you're targeting. So it's different talking to um, it's six-year-olds as opposed to 20-year-olds. So it's who you're selling your book to. What language can you use to best get them to click? And if we're talking about language, uh, just one watch out. I'd give a good watch out here is avoid anything that could come across as desperation. Yeah. Um. You want this to look like the most legitimate ad ever. So you don't want to say things like, oh, the first book I've written or yeah, oh, the debut or book p- from the author. Buy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's things like, I know people won't, but the whole idea there is, is you're selling the, the product. You're not selling really yourself as much yeah. in a Facebook ad. I think you're selling the product the selling yourself to build a readership comes later. We've been over that in our audience episode a few weeks back. So on this one, it's how would the biggest company in the world advertise something? They wouldn't have anything in there like that. It has to be confident yeah. and it has to be has to be succinct as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, getting your image right and getting your text right is key. But the biggest key component to advertising through Facebook is getting your targeting right, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, like I said, Facebook is going to spend your budget every day. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Five pound, ten pound, a hundred pounds. It'll spend um, what you ask it to spend. Yeah. You've asked it because there's that many people on there, they will get that many clicks because if you pay five pound a day and you've got your audience of two million, it's still probably only going to generate you 30 clicks because the reach won't reach everyone yeah but they will reach enough people to click on it so you want to make sure the people that are clicking on your ad are people who are likely no actually not even clicking your ad the people who are seeing your ad are the people who would respond to the image and the text that you've put together absolutely that's why this bit's so crucial and again I will implore people to do a less is more um, approach to targeting. Yeah. Because it's very easy to want to go in there and go, oh, I want to put crime books because my book falls into a subgenre of crime. Yeah. Now, if you did that and you can then, I would always say, always... Um, have a must-have of Kindle if your books are in, like, KU and stuff. But the thing there is, is crime... You write in crime, technically, David. I write in crime. So if someone's put crime books as something they like, but they like Betsy Blake-type books... Yeah. And then I start serving those people my ad of a guy holding a gun... It's not their bag. It's not going in front of the right people. Exactly. So... If you can strip your audience down to as specific as possible, mm-hmm. that's the, the less is more approach I mean is you could put really big, vague um, categories in there. So say if you write post-apocalyptic fiction, right, as an example, but you write zombie thrillers, you don't want to include 
people who don't write zombie thrillers, but they write post-apocalyptic thrillers. Yeah. You want people who have said they like the stuff that you are writing in. You don't want to be vague about it because Facebook will just serve your ads to the people regardless. So I try and get my target audience down by authors in my genre if they have a following on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Which they do because makes... I write in quite a a popular genre. But, you know, if you write in romance, there will be romance authors who have enough likes on Facebook to be a targetable um, person. Yeah. So instead of maybe going for romance as a whole, you would specifically target those authors yeah. with a caveat that they have to like Kindle. And that might take your audience from 5 million down to 1.2 million. Yeah. But it's 1.2 million more engaged people than there would be of the 5 million. Yeah. And you will save money on wasted clicks. Wasted clicks. You would get more bang for your buck by having a more streamlined audience. Absolutely. It's a great point to make. The the narrow down option on your Mm -hmm. Facebook ads targeting is a key component, really, on how we sell our books because... For example, the great example Robert gave you there, if, if you're if I'm advertising my books and it's to crime readers, but they're more interested in Jack Reacher or Sam Pope type crime books when I'm mm-hmm. selling the opposite. um, you know, it's a bit like a clown's pocket, isn't it? Really? It's such a wide sort of area that you're not necessarily mm-hmm. narrowing into your target. So if I do start with crime, people who like crime thrillers, but then I'm hitting the narrow down option in the targeting and then i'm coming into people who also like the movie gone baby gone because that's about a missing girl now now i'm starting to find my audience so Mm -hmm. uh, robert given a great point there of streamline your targeting and finding hot audience rather than a a big warm audience is much more beneficial to you so if you can get if if it's only a two hundred thousand audience but you know oh this is my bullseye audience that's better than a two million audience that might be just lukewarm to your book. Yeah. Try and find the hot all the time. Absolutely. And and the last thing about targeting is don't be lazy with an ad that starts working. Mm-hmm. Look, like I said, you have to learn. You have to learn from the ads that don't work, but you have to learn from the ads that do work. So you go in the back end. I know some people don't like the numbers and the data, but Facebook ads do give you a breakdown of ages, genders you know who's who's clicking your ad for the cheapest because if if i'm getting the most clicks of men of above 50 at a cheaper rate and say i've only got 10 pound a day to play with but it's costing me two pounds to get a 25 year old girl to click on my book probably not my genre yeah like probably not probably not my audience mm-hmm. so retarget the ad to maybe men of over 50 and then you get more bang for your buck. Like you have to keep on top of it. You can't yeah. just get one and go, oh, okay, cool, that's working. Yeah. So we mentioned earlier, David, before we, we bring this discussion to a close about scaling. Yes. So when it comes to scaling, when you've got the three things we've gone over before, like the, the image, the text, and then the targeting... The you can do all that for like five pounds a day and you can figure out after a week or so, is this working? Mm-hmm. 
quite quickly. That's a good thing with Facebook ads. You can quite quickly, if you get yeah, one working, real time. Very quickly, it very quickly shows you. Once you've got all those in a row and they're working and you can see that sort of over a week, I'm doubling the money I'm spending. And add another tenner on. Yeah. Or double your thing to £10. Mm-hmm. Then take that to £20. Leave it for a couple of weeks. If you're spending £20 and you're making £40 a day, Go again. Yeah. Well, you could, you know, take it to eighty, or you could take it to sixty. You could do it in whatever increment. Just, I wouldn't say start throwing money at it until you're confident that those things are three things are in place, and you've let it go like for a week of yeah. analysing it before you do it. Otherwise, Absolutely. like I said, Facebook will spend your money. They will just spend it. Yeah absolutely yeah scaling is key it's really how uh, rob and i have been able to monetize this to the tune of um it being a full-time income so uh but it, it, you can only scale as robert says once everything is right so if you have we, we've mentioned the three main components of facebook ads there over the last half hour or so your image your text your targeting if if, if we haven't gone into as much detail as you would have liked on that we've tried uh, as we as everyone <laughs> in the time frame allowed listen Hit our Facebook group up. Ask Rob and I any questions. We are more than happy to answer them on our Facebook page. Or if we feel it needs a bit of dedication, we can use it in our mailbag section of the show, which is what we're going to go into now. Um, But uh, yeah, any questions, join our Facebook page. We are happy to answer uh, and detail our experiences so far. It's time for the mailbag, Robert. Um, our lovely listener, Barbara Withel, mm-hmm. has sent us in a, a, a nice question. She said, hi, David and Rob. I'd like to ask a question about blurbs or otherwise they're known as subscriptions on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Have you any key tips about writing blurbs or descriptions for your books? And do you change them often if they are not working? I can't seem to write a blurb that hooks readers into buying my book. My cover looks good, but I think my blurb stops readers from purchasing. Would love your insight. Mm, well, thank you very much, Barbara, Thanks, for the Barbara. question. Um, I will uh, just precursor this answer with, we have a whole episode about blurbs. Yeah. I think it's episode nine. It's called Blurb is the Word. Mm-hmm. Um, do check that out, Barbara. Because we're hilarious, um, <laughs> but but no, we ha- we do have a whole episode where we talk about blurb, so it'd definitely be worth going and having a listen to that. In a snapshot, I would say, bl- I I think blurbs like launches are made out to be bigger than they are as a thing to do by the internet community, no, the internet, the indie author community as a whole. I think have made built blurbs up like a book launch to be something that people get kind of concerned about yeah um and to the point that people have been able to build businesses off the back of saying we will write your blurb for you yeah. for quite a lot of money like i and i i, I personally i don't think anyone's going to know your book better than you um it's your book it's your voice all it needs to be is it's not a synopsis just remember that mm-hmm. so when you're describing your book you're not it's not a it's not a synopsis it's a teaser it's a is here's what this book promises not this is what it's about yes yeah it promises thrills it promises action you can well mine do they promise thrills they promise action i introduce what the probable scenario the book's going to be and the danger that's ahead yeah it's snappy it's punchy like i said it should just allude to what the book is inside not 
here's a breakdown of the whole story um i don't really change mine that much i feel pretty confident writing them um i might go back in and add review quotes to them like what the readers are saying just as they you know as the reviews come in and the, the comments pile up but beyond that i'd say yeah just just trust yourself like i said it's 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 a taster it's not a description of what the thing's about and just write one and give it a go like write another one test it and if it doesn't work write another one yeah that's that's really what i can i think i can say on it yeah i can only echo barbara what robert has said testing is key and um I don't want to repeat myself with a test, test, test uh, <laughs> statement. I've said it every episode. I squeeze that one in. Um, but that really is what it is here. And Robert makes a great point saying it's not the be all and end all. You don't have to write a blurb and think, Jesus, I hope I hope that's right. Because if it proves after two weeks that it's not really selling your book, guess what? Write another one. Then write another one. Write one until you find, oh, do you know what? About 10% of people who are clicking on my sales page are buying my book. This is good now. This blurb is working. Test, 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 Barbara. To indie Robert, it is now time for the seven questions and we have another great guest lined up to speak to us today. Ivan Wainwright. Ivan, thank you so much for giving us your time this morning. Thank you so much for inviting me. Not at all. It's it's our pleasure. So, Ivan, you have uh, published a, a book with a great title, The Other Times of Caroline, Caroline Tangent. Um, can you tell us what this book is about? Of course, yeah. So, um, The Other Times of Caroline Tangent has the strap line, um, if you could travel back in time to see any concert, who would you go to see? So that gives you a bit of a flavour. Um, it's about, awesome. about Caroline Tangent, whose husband, John, invents a time machine so they can go back and see Woodstock in 68 or Jimmy Henry. Hendrix in New York or uh, Edith Piaf in France in Paris in 1940s. Incredible. But as they go on, obviously, Caroline starts to realise that the time machine might also start to impact other parts of their life and what they did. And she realises they may not be on the same page until on one trip to the past, um, one of them does something unthinkable, which changes both their lives forever. Oh, I mean, it's that's great. What, what an elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah, what an elevator pitch. Yes, I mean, and fantastic reviews on Amazon and quite a lot of them too. So congratulations on your success thus far. Shall we find out how you've made a success of it? Please. Okay, Robert. Right, I'm going in. Here we go. Seven questions. Question number one, Ivan. Are you a full-time author? So no, I'm not. Um, I am okay. also uh, an independent um, CRM consultant, IT consultant. Uh, I work with charities, um, but I do oh, manage okay. to split my time about 50-50 now with writing and my uh, my day job, I suppose. Um, but unfortunately, not consistently. That's the challenge. I might have a project with a charity for a few months, and then that might go quiet yes. and I'll start writing again. So on the one hand, that's great because I could knuckle down for a while, but it does mean I'm not always able to write as a consistently as i'd like to so it's uh that's my goal but that, that's my goal is to move into full-time writing if i can but i'm not not quite there yet oh um, lovely and uh, well congratulations and thank you for your, your charity work can i ask is there another book coming uh fingers crossed fingers crossed <laughs> sounds good I'm, I'm, I'm sounds good the way through and I'll, I'll talk a bit about that later one of the lessons i've learned about my life of writing so i've come to that Awesome. Okay, well, we look forward to hearing that in a later question. Let's ask 
question two from here then. So have you chosen to go wide or exclusive with Caroline Tangent? So I've got two answers to that, which I hope might be useful. So um, in terms of my ebook, yes, I'm exclusive. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I think like so many of the authors that you've interviewed, I went wide at first, <laughs> but I found that KDP yeah. just offered better results. Um, what, what was interesting, I did find wide worked well when I was very fortunate and got a book bud deal after a while and what yeah. was that was interesting Great. because um with kobo for example so with kobo is it's quite um popular in, in canada and australia and i actually hit something yeah. like you know top 100 of their charts for a while which was wonderful for a bit but then it went straight back down so, so now yeah. i think like others i think you have to invest in that and like and i'm it's easier to be on you know that, that kdp gives me so much more however what might be interesting to hear is about the paperbacks. So, um, mm-hmm. so, so I decided not to go with Amazon POD in the UK. I do in the US and other markets. But in the UK, I actually decided to use um, Clay's printers, and they have an indie author's arm, which is, which is wonderful. And, and so Clay's actually printed X copies of my books before I even started. Now, the reason I did that, so, by the way, I say clays are just amazing. Um, I mean, they, put, they print millions of books for every year for track publishers. Uh, but their, their customer service, I mean, forget about publishing, just in general, their customer service is just so good. They're so patient with me when I was learning. They're so good at what they do. It's just fantastic. Okay. Well, that's unique in the in the art oh, Maybe a little bit. Yeah, well, yes. In lots of the world, isn't it? So really. Like that. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's but, true. But they, they, why do they do that? They have an arrangement with guards. So that people like Amazon and Waterstones and so on can local bookshops can just easily get a book and then have it delivered. Um, in the first place, therefore, the cost of the book is way lower than POD, but of course mm-hmm. it means mm-hmm. gardeners take their share and actually clays charge me a little bit for, for storing. So there is a bit of that. Um, yeah. And I did it partly for quality control. I mean, I think Amazon POD is much better these days than four or five years ago, but it does mean with clays I know what I'm getting. I partly it helped my yes. blog tour, um, but I have to admit, uh, I, I won't pretend there's a tiny bit of vanity there that does mean <laughs> that I can walk into a bookstore. You know, even in America, yes. my son in America, I can walk into a bookstore, order something, and it's, it's, it, there's a little bit of a nice feeling about that. So, uh, you know, yes. uh, and I appreciate I'm still lucky a little bit compared to you, you know, both of you who have got this proper business going, and I'm tiny in between, so I can, uh, I, can I did it that way. Oh, yeah, it's always worthwhile exercising the ego every now and then. Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I think, I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think 90% of the things I do are there to satisfy my ego. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this is interesting, Ivan. We ha- Clay's hasn't come up in the podcast okay. before. So Clay's are a, a, a print-on-demand provider to bookstores yeah, and other outlets? Clay's print. Clay print all the big publishers, you know, whether it's Clay's or okay. millions of books a year. So they're set up to print paperbacks as normal. But some years ago, yeah. they created an indie arm, which they recognized was useful for an indie. And if you go to, they, you go to their website, you can see all the information on there. And it's brilliant. And so you do it as a publisher would. So you still have to get a proper, you know, you've got to get the paperback sorted out. It's got to be ready with a proper mm-hmm. cover. I've got a cover designer. She knew what to do because she'd done it for other people. Yeah. So that was so helpful, get the cover design sorted out. Um, and then they deliver. I mean, I ordered, um, I did 500 copies on my first run. And, and as I said, the cost was relatively low at that point. I think, you know, since then, paper costs are going up, aren't they? So it's uh, yeah. a bit different yeah. now. 
Um, but no, they're, they're a full-blown proper printer. Um, but they but they have an indie arm and recognise the benefit of doing it for for indies. And so it's just a, it's probably a small part of their business, but they've kept it going, which is so good. It's just a, it's a different way, I suppose, of doing things. Nice. So have retailers stocked your book? From one to very small. a few, yeah. But you know, that's uh, mostly when people have uh, mostly when people have requested, I think, and libraries do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Libraries, although I, I mean, libraries obviously could get it in any other way as well. But it's a, it's a useful way of doing it, so it's uh, it helps. Yes. Nice. Put it this way, it, it, it's not as much as I would have hoped, David. But in the future, yes. Who knows? You know, when that when that a mega successful book comes at three or four, then suddenly they'll be you know under huge demand and I'll be reprinted. Sounds like a plan. Fantastic. Well, you've already just given us a very, very good service that you've been using. One that David said we hadn't heard on the uh, podcast before. I'm going to hit you with question three now, Ivan, which is name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. So it, it is hard to look past something, even like, you know, Facebook ads but on the one hand, but I'll come back to that. And, and Vellum is just a game changer, I think, for, for us. It's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. But I know others have discussed that. And so I think, I think the service I use most and almost every week is Canva. So I don't know, have you, have you, have you, have you yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, Canva's a, a graphic design platform. The entry level is free and very powerful, and you get even more for the premium version. And I use Canva yeah. all the time for social media adverts, for marketing images, for videos even, um, Amazon A-plus content. I created my own um, book trailer on the video you know, using Canva, and it, it helps me look far more professional and capable than I really am. <laughs> I think it's a wonderful tool. Yeah. Yes. I'm a massive yeah. proponent of Canva. I use it an awful lot. And I think that'd be hard. Yeah. I've got Photoshop, but Photoshop, Photoshop is brilliant. And if you have a really good design, I'm sure it's better. But for someone like me, yeah. who is, I don't. You know, I, I can use the templates out of Canva. I can use, you know, I can upload my own photographs and images. I can upload music. and It's just so simple. And it's just so nice. It downloads videos in a comparatively compact, you know, amount as well. So uh, I highly, yeah, I, I, I would... I would find it pretty hard to do without that on a, I'll say on a week by week basis. So, yeah. although, yeah, nice. you know, yeah, Facebook and Venom are the sort of key things, I think, in a general everyday thing. I, I love Canva. I think you're right. You're bang on the money with Canva. I use it a lot for my social media ads. A lot of my marketing material goes through Canva. And like you say, it's free. So, I think any any listener who hasn't used Canva, should go and sign up and at least have a play with it because I think, yeah, you'd be surprised how quickly and easily you can pull together really good-looking marketing material. Spot on answer. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is why I love this segment of the show because we will have listeners Googling Clays and Googling (laughs) Canva now. So you're you're, you're passing on your wisdom, Ivan. Thank you so much. Let's see if if we can get some um, wisdom out of you when it comes to marketing. Question four is always, how do you market your books? So uh, Facebook ads is the wonderful Mm -hmm. thing I'd ever. Um, One thing I found with Facebook ads is... um, I actually, part of my, the imagery, the pictures, I actually asked that question on the picture. If you could travel back in time, who would you, you know, go to see? Wow, yeah, great and, and people just interact, you know, they don't yeah. have a book always, yeah. but at least they'll say, oh, I <laughs> want to go and see Queen or Live Aid or Jimmy. And then other people respond to them and say, I saw it. So, you know, it, it's, um, I, I, that was completely unintentional, but a wonderful way of doing things. That was good. So, you, yeah, so you're, book, right? your advertisement, Advertising looks as if it's it's constantly having um, 
involvement from people on social media. There's constant conversation being yeah, had. Yeah, wonderful. And so, but that spreads the that spreads the advertising. So everyone that comments on it, their friends are then seeing oh, yes, yeah, the ad at free of yeah. charge for you. Yeah, yeah. yes, no, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. You're right. Thank you. And um, also the social proof, the social proof yeah. of comments, comments yeah. and likes under an ad go a long way. A lot more yeah. than people think. Oh, and people say, you know, I love the book, or this is great. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, I said, yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's to go back to book reviews, isn't it? It's, which is just such an mm-hmm. amazing thing to be able to mm-hmm. have. give you a great review. Every now and again, you, know, you get the ironic one star, which you have to laugh about, but most of the time it's uh, yeah. a good one. Um, uh, book have you talked about Bookbub on the show? few times likely yeah 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 we haven't gone deep in this i mean yes. the, the, i think book by bad very difficult i uh, and i even mm-hmm. listened to rachel mclean talk about that who's one of the most successful indie authors and she finds it you know hard but, mm-hmm. but book yeah. by promotion mm-hmm. blew my mind i mean when i got a book by promotion you know it shot me to number one you know in time travel charts and you know as i said in canada australia mm-hmm. it's my top 100 so I, if you can get book by promotion it is expensive, but it is well, well worth it. You will get your money back probably. It's fantastic. So, you know, great. Yeah, a, f- a featured book book yeah. promotion yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. Got I've, got, I've got one coming up. Oh, good luck. Oh, wow. Oh, nice, yeah. Robert. On a Saturday as well, which is all I always find. If you get if you get them on the weekend, I find they're better than if you get them during the week. I agree. Oh, that's an interesting yeah. observation. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic, yeah. Um, so, so I mean, in terms of other marketing, when I launched Caroline Tangents, so I I actually did, I don't know if it helps or not, I did some pre-orders for 99 pence, 99 cents. And I know that there's a bit of contention in some people about whether it's better to do that then or afterwards. I thought for me, as an unknown author, I thought it was a good thing. And it certainly got me, you know, several hundred orders, which was great. And then, mm-hmm. you know, people actually get left reviews quite soon. So that was really good. Um, when right. I launched, I also did a blog tour, which I found really helpful. So the blog tour was nice. where you send out books to the bloggers. They did reviews. It helped get you know reviews on Amazon and Goodreads. It gave me good SEO. Again, Rob, mm-hmm. was saying earlier, good social media awareness and so on. So that was great. Um, I did push politely for reviews. I did. I did try <laughs> to ask people, you know, if they'd read it. That was good. Um, things that didn't work, maybe that's a useful. Um, I I still haven't got Amazon ads to work properly except at Christmas. <laughs> and maybe that's, yeah. just, that's just something I haven't done. Um, I actually tried Love Reading. Have you ever heard of Love Reading, the book site? Oh, that's new. Another new one, another new one for my bit. So Love Reading is one of these um, book promotion websites where, and you do pay for it. And this was, you know, my early days, still learning. And, and you get all, lots of trad, mostly trad people, a few indies. And they gave me a very nice review, and I was really excited by it, and it got me nothing. So mm-hmm. I apologise to anyone yeah. who has, you know, I really, I, I use it still as a reader, but I don't know. For me, it really didn't do very much. So, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's something I did or they did. That's the trouble of all marketing, isn't it? We never quite know where the, uh, the good and bad is. So true. I don't know, And the bigger mission is a mailing list, and I just haven't been successful with it. And, you know, it's one of those things, and I would love everything you talk about it. You're right. And it, it's partly my fault, I think. Um, <laughs> you know, because I, I, I haven't got many people on it, I don't write it, therefore I don't write it, therefore people don't come. Hands up. I yeah. need to yeah. I yes. need sort that out. We did go in deep on um, newsletters and email lists last week. So, and and one of the main messages that Robert and I gave out was, it's never too late when it comes to emails and collecting emails. So you can get around to it. I will. I will. Uh, 
But again, you keep giving, ending your answer, Ivan, with a wonderful segue into the next one. Um, so, uh, <laughs> uh, question five is: What's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? I promise I won't swear at this point. That's <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll, 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 I'll do it later. Um, if I could tell myself one thing from a few years ago, I would say just flipping finish the book. I yes. cannot yeah. tell you how many chapter ones, how many quarter books I wrote and then got distracted and started another. And it's really yeah. simple as that. You know, I think especially when you're starting, everything's exciting. And I literally one day sat down, got a bit of paper out, wrote the three or four books I was thinking about, decided which one I wanted to do and just did it. Yeah, good brilliant, fantastic. We 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 all need a bit of Robert Enright discipline when it comes to um, <laughs> writing our books. You may I'm very envious you, of that. You may call me sensei if you like to, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think it's such a it's an excellent thing to, to know. Yeah. Like, I, I said on the podcast before, stolen shamelessly from another podcast, which is get it wrong as quickly as possible, because once you've got yeah. the books done. You can then go back and, and fix the bitch and done, but if you haven't got the book done, there's nothing to fix. So I think, yeah, what a, an excellent answer there, Ivan. So thank you. And I think especially yeah, as, early as an early author, where I'm not, you know, got the books behind me like you have, and you know what you're doing, you're pushing forward. When you're an early, the early author, you're still a bit up and down, excited or not. So it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to- uh, yeah I, I, I totally hear you on that. Um that brings us to question six, Ivan. Um, what's the biggest frustration for you as an indie author? Again, and you segued into this uh, seamlessly. <laughs> so it's, it's, this is, I think, in some ways it's the hardest, but also most interesting question. I, I, I think I'd sum it up by saying I wish there was a more level playing field towards, between, but, but more level playing field between indie and trad publishing. So in the areas mm-hmm. of things like media or bookshops, maybe even literary events. Now, I, I, I realise by saying on the one hand, in terms of a, a career or a business, clearly the two of you and many other indie authors have proved that it doesn't matter necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you have been a bookshop or not. But and also, again, I kind of realise a little bit of what I'm saying is vanity. I do, you know, that, you know, I, I'd like to yeah. be there. But not solely... I just think it's such a shame that there are probably so many readers, so many people out there that don't have the opportunity or the exposure to read your books, to read other indie authors' books, because they're not in a bookstore or they're not reviewed by Person X. And I I think think that's a shame. And I think for some authors, that would really help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, it is a frustration. Yeah. I don't know if it's okay to say, I, I, was, I was so lucky last year at the London Book Fair, I, I won an award for best independently published fiction, which was fantastic. Thank you very much. Very good, Ivan. Nice. Completely gobsmacked me, seeing as I had Simon McCleave sitting behind me, who sold, what, hundreds oh, of thousands. Wow. And then uh, Ian Grant and Heidi Goody have been shortlisted before. It just blew my mind. But... Um, the, the frustration um, came afterwards. I tried to, and it was again probably me, but you know, I tried writing articles and doing press releases, and nothing happened. And you know, don't you, that every other award at London Book Fair is going to be, you know, promoted. So, yeah. as I said, it, it, it was frustration. It, you know, it happens. I'm not 
particularly worried about it. I, I think it's just a shame. I think it's a real shame that um, yeah. you know that, that good indies are not recognised in the same way. That my God, there's some there's some you know all of us there's some dreadful celebrity novels out there. So it's. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, there really are. But I, I, I would echo your frustration. It's a frustration Rob and I have spoken about. It's just not being seen um, to be on the same field as, as the trad guys is, is, is a huge frustration. And the irony is, I bet that you're, you know, you two and other people are, I'm sure, that some of the best in it are earning and way more. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. I'm going to travel with the yeah. and the and the other people could really get into it. And they just don't. And it's, yeah. I, I think an interesting an interesting angle I sort of look at because um, my editor who's who's been on the show and we love we love Emma she's our resident editor and she's yeah. wonderful she she is perplexed that myself and now yourself David aren't like invited to these um, book festivals like crime crime yeah. crime fest whatever to be on panels um, and and my only my my aspect on it is a yeah we might not just not register with the organisers of it. However, yeah. at the same time, a lot of those um, events and things will be in conjunction with publishers. And yeah, it's all wrapped and intertwined, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, there's politics roots, behind yeah. it all. There's politics behind it all. And um, yeah. you know, we, we are outside of that gatekeeper mentality that keeps those businesses afloat. So yeah. I, I, don't, I can't imagine that changing I, I think the only way we'll end up getting a big indie book event, like with panels and all that stuff, is if we do one ourselves, essentially. Yeah. Um, because I think that's that's the main reason. It's it's we might be recognised and people might know who we are, but I think it's more they they wouldn't want to promote. Hey, look, these guys don't need us. I think it's always worth. When that frustration comes up, and we yeah. do hear that frustration a lot, it's always worth noting. It's it's probably like the biggest backhanded compliment you can get. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. So true. Good yeah. point. But um, I've obviously just implied a little bit of advice there. <laughs> I'm going to hit you with question seven, Ivan. The final question, um, and I mean, you've given us loads of things we've never heard on the pod before. But what is the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? So I think as indie authors, you, you, you have to, uh, I think the right thing to do is to invest in professionals for editing and book covers. That leads on from what you were just saying, Rob. And for me, especially, more. if I had one, one, one thing, the thing that's helped me, which is which has just been so fantastic, is a, is a developmental editor or a structural editor. Uh-huh. So yeah. when I wrote um, Caroline Tangents, I gave it to friends and trusted readers, and that was really helpful. But then I found um, a developmental editor called Carrie O'Grady. And I'm really, it's so sad. Carrie's now stopped doing editing, and I'm so sad because she was so oh. good and she's doing other things. But she she blew my mind how she improved my book. I, I, I genuinely do not think it would have had the success if I hadn't had Harry's input. So I'll, I'll explain why. There's, there's um, in my book, as I was saying earlier, there's a, uh, a big twist right in the middle. Uh, and Harry said, that's great, Ivan, really like it, it's good. Uh, but the main, but, but what happens to the character is that they think, oh gosh, what's happened? And then the reader works it out pretty quick. The reader goes, oh yeah, yeah, this has happened, you know, oh dear, what's going to happen next? But the character's, 
three or four chapters later still going, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so Gary said, yes. no, you can't do it. You've got to, it's okay for a little bit of the reader to be ahead, but, you know, tighten yeah. it up, make it better. I thought, wow, yes. that just never even occurred to me. So that was brilliant. Fantastic. She helped me improve the start of it, the first half in terms of um, – uh, just tightening it up, which is, as ever, is, is a great thing. And the, and the other interesting thing she really did for me was she told me to concentrate more on my secondary characters. And, and she said, and this, I think this is a really this is sort of a side bit of advice. Um, there's lots, lots of uh, uh, um, experts that, that say, don't they, that every secondary character thinks that they're the main character. And yet, all yeah. my secretary characters, all they were doing was just being sounding boards for Caroline. So they're sort of wandering around, doing nothing. Then she meets them, and they go, how are you? What are you doing? They don't have anything about themselves. That was yes. really interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit extreme. I hope I was doing something okay. But it yes. was still the point of being able to bring those together. And I thought that was, again, it was it's the things that that someone as a, who is a, a an editor, a professional, they see that, they can help you see things. Or certainly for me, they help me see things that I had never thought of before. Whereas I think the further you get, hopefully again, with a couple of examples of you two, is that, you know, you've done that so much now. That's probably something you know anyway. For me, it wasn't. And therefore, yeah. brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, well, we had to learn it along the way too. Yeah. You pick them up the more, the yeah. more you go through. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, and it costs money. And I'm sorry, you know. And if you're if you're if you're, a, if you're a, an author starting off, then it is going to cost money. But I think it's the right way to invest in the same way as I know you've discussed before about editing and you know and book covers and so on. And you know, yeah, much worse than a homemade book cover, isn't it? It's just yes. We, we don't want to sound harsh, but it, it's 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 people who independently publish who don't invest in book covers and who don't invest in development letters who give self-publishing its bad name, unfortunately. And myself and Rob would echo and have echoed what you've said about um, your one piece of advice is you do have to invest in your work if you want your work to be taken seriously. Yep, 100%, 100% agree. 100%. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Ivan, you survived the seven views. <laughs> Wonderful answers. I mean, and with these segues, I think we could rebrand this podcast to the tree in the authors. Have you have you have you on regularly? Um well well I've just loved the last twenty minutes I picked up. I've already got the notes down. Um I've got clays uh, on my on my URL already, ready to go. I'm gonna search that when we let you go. Uh Ivan, but the other times of Caroline Tangent. What a hook. One of the best hooks to a book I've heard in years available on Amazon. Ivan, thank you so much for giving us your time this morning. Thank you so much for inviting me. To um, David, I found Ivan um, to be an, obviously a lovely man, but his answers were fascinating, I thought. Yeah, yeah, and an absolute gentleman as well. But there you go, one book out and already passing on uh, great tips to our listeners. It just goes to show how much of a learning curve uh, the indie publishing world is. And again, another example of a really nice guy trying to pass back their experiences so far. But that you you saying we're really nice guys trying to pass on our... Oh, well, that's not in doubt, is it? No. People doubt no. us, the two in the authors. No. <laughs> Shame on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, yeah, but um, yeah, big thank you to Ivan. Um, big, we'll shout out again. There's a form on the Facebook group if you if you would like to face David and myself in the seven questions hot seat. There is a form pinned to the top of the Facebook group that it takes two minutes to fill out. Um, so yeah, give it a go, uh, David. Before we wrap up the show, what are you doing for the next week or so? Finishing hope, a book? Hoping to finish the book. Uh, we shall speak next week and see uh, if I have lived up to that. But I, I'll certainly be very close, if not uh, have the first draft complete by then. Mm. Um, I will also have finalised the cover and maybe have put it up for pre-sale. Oh, nice. So we, we'll see where I'm at when we, when we sit down to record next week's show. Uh, what about you over the next seven days, Robert? Um, I am doing edits. Yes. on my Bermuda books um, they need a lot of love and attention before I try and build that up again and uh, it's now I've got some time before my edits for that Sam Pope comes back so I'll probably be doing that over the next seven days so worthwhile but probably not the most thrilling of jobs so sounds um, good I sound excited don't I a everyone? writer writing huh <laughs> anyway uh, David have a wonderful week a uh, big thank you to our listeners and we will speak to you soon see you soon guys dun, 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 dun.